I'm Micah Boyat, and you're listening to The Slow Way. This is a podcast about the slow goodness of pursuing a sacred love that transforms everything, including you and me. It's a quiet space where all of us frantic strivers, serial doers, and weary achievers are invited in for a moment of reflection, an opportunity for prayer, and a chance to practice going slow in a world that often values only speed, success, and power. Our culture loves to tell us that life is frantic and there's nothing we can do about it. But, friends, we know what's real. The true thing is deep down underneath the surface where love lives. And sometimes we just have to stop long enough to notice. So here, let's try. Have a seat just for a few minutes. Let's go the slow way. I'm so glad to be back, everybody. Thanks for your patience while I took a break over the summer. And thanks for opening your podcast app back up and spending some time with me today. This reflection is called On Coming Home to Our Bodies. Three stories. When I was in Minnesota in early July, I spent several mornings hiking a trail around Lake Sagatagon on the St. John's University campus. One of those times, I decided to take a dip in the lake, which has a small beach next to a wooden dock. It was morning, and the lake was still and reflective. No one else was around. I spread my towel on the dock and set my bag beside me. As soon as I set myself down, I was surprised to find a few small silver fish gathering below me looking up at me through their distorted water vision. Is this what fish in Minnesota do? Do they like my swimsuit? I hesitated to drop my feet in the water, afraid they'd scatter if I moved. But they followed their leader, a four-inch-long, beady-eyed silver fish who sat silently in the middle of their gang and gazed up toward me. More silverfish gathered until I counted over 20 in a semicircle around my hovering reflection. I put my toes in. They moved back three inches as a collective, but as soon as the water stilled, they were back, holding vigil around my feet. I kept my toes as perfectly still as I could until one fish ventured up for a nibble or a kiss, who can say? You guys, I try to be cool, even with natural creatures, but I screamed, kicked my foot involuntarily, and watched my fish friends dash away in fear. I wanted my foot to not be me. I wanted it to float happily among the fish, no concerns. But my foot is me. And when the brave silverfish touched it, I jumped. I ended our connection. Another story. Richmond the pup stayed with my mother-in-law while our family was in Texas and New Mexico last week. When I picked him up from her house this past Thursday, he had accompanied her to her administrative job at her church that day. He's a very helpful friend at work, laying on the carpet beside her desk, greeting priests and fellow administrators, offering support for the all-staff chapel service. And when he stepped through the door of her home, where I was already waiting, 
He ran immediately to where I stood in her kitchen before I had even said his name. He smelled me. When I say me, I mean my body. My dog smelled my body. That's kind of a weird thing to say, isn't it? Culturally, we don't talk about our bodies a lot, especially not our smells. I don't necessarily want you, listener, to think about my smells, but my body isn't the other half of me that keeps my head floating. It's me. My dog smelled me. Story three. I got a tattoo while I was in my hometown a week and a half ago. I made an appointment for my mom, my aunt, and I to do it together. All three of us were looking for a way to mark this moment in our lives. My mom got a heart on her arm. My dad's handwritten love, Mike, filling in one line of it. My aunt got a beautiful tiny cotton plant in honor of losing her mother, my grandmother, who was nicknamed Cotton, last August. And I marked myself with the outline of my childhood home. A drawing I took from my dad's architectural renderings of the house before he built it in 1978. All angles and lines. My favorite of all the spaces he created. I can't carry him in my body. I never could, even when he was alive. But I can mark myself on the outside as a way of saying this shaped my life. My house tattoo is just another place for my love to go. And love working to find a new home is grief, isn't it? Three stories about my body. I've had Hillary McBride's book, The Wisdom of Your Body, on my shelf for several months, but finally pulled it out this week, hoping for some clarity on a story I've been learning for a while now. Brought home by my 2019 concussion and the migraines and the life change that followed. My learning to rest the loss of my dad, the shocking revelation that my body is actually me. Once upon a time, I ignored my pain, my exhaustion, my weaknesses as long as I could, preferring the work hard solution as an antidote for bodily needs. But wisdom eventually brings us back to ourselves and ourselves are whole bodies, not minds with some annoying connected tissues attached at the base of our brains. My body was tired, and I had to learn to let it rest. Or I should say, learn to let her rest. Quote, most people forget about the body until pain, aging, illness, trauma, incarceration, or impending death brings it to the fore. The body tells the truth, the painful parts, the joyful parts, and everything in between. End quote. McBride writes, Our bodies are not our appearance, McBride says, any more than the front yard is our house. When she talks about our bodies, she's talking about our personhood. Many of us were raised in religious traditions that taught us to see our bodies as inherently evil, something to control, something that holds back our minds or souls from spiritual growth. To listen to our bodies is to undo a lifetime of messages that told us our bodies weren't to be trusted, that they weren't kind to us. It's a long way back to the intuition we felt in our child bodies, when our bodies told us that touch was good, that safety is important, that tiredness and hunger are signs that we should meet our basic needs. 
and that our pain or lightness or anxiety might actually tell us something true about who we are, what's good or dangerous, and what stories we carry with us. I've been thinking about the tightness in my neck, how long I've held my anxiety in my shoulders, how learning to sleep eight hours a night has transformed my spiritual life, how so much of my work with therapists has been spent helping me believe that I can acknowledge my own weaknesses and be kind to myself. What is the truth your body is wanting to tell you? As we lean into the end of summer, some of us eking the last few weeks out of the sunshine and late nights on the porch, some of us already back in the motion of school and schedules, I hope we'll practice a simple but transformative slow way. Listening to the stomach aches, the tight muscles, the sensations of joy or pleasure, and reminding ourselves that our bodies are ourselves. They are not separate from our minds, and they have something to tell us about what's next and where God is in our story. Coming home to a body that wants to help us know ourselves and ultimately know the Spirit of God. I want this to be an invitation to come home to yourself. I heard McBride say in her interview with Kendra Adachi, or maybe it was Emily Freeman. Either way, both interviews are worth listening to. Quote, I want it to be an invitation for all of us to be re-inhabiting our bodies in a way that allows us to be safe with ourselves, gentle and loving toward the people around us, connected to the earth, and ultimately moving into a position or a space in our lives where we are flourishing because we are more whole than when we started. End quote. Here's to becoming more whole than when we started. Our smells, our feet in the fishy water, our marked bodies holding our grief. Our bodies are telling us the truth. Are we listening? A slow practice. I first discovered the body scan prayer practice through Tara Owen's book, Embracing the Body, which came out seven years ago. It's a gentle and beautiful way to become aware of your sensations, needs, and perhaps the whispers of what your body is trying to tell you in the presence of God. Take a deep breath with me and invite the Holy Spirit to your body. Maybe there's a place where you have felt the presence of God in your body before. For me, it's always my chest. Maybe it's your stomach or your mind. Set your hand in that place as a reminder to you that the divine is here with you. Spirit, help me hear the truth my body is telling me. Begin to move your attention from the top of your head down. First, feel the sensations of your scalp. Then your ears. Your jaw. Your mouth. 
Notice if there is any tightness and make note of it. As you notice any tightness, pain, or sensations, say them quietly to God, aloud or in your mind. Spirit, help me to hear the truth my body is telling me. Attend to your shoulders. Where do you hold your stress? What does your stress want to tell you about the choices you're making in your day? This isn't a moment for making big changes or promises to yourself. You can come back to that another time. For now, it's acknowledging what's true in the presence of God. What do your shoulders have to say about your life right now? What about your chest? Your upper back? Spirit, help me to hear the truth my body is telling me. Move your attention to your stomach, your lower back, your hips, your body's digestive system, your bladder, your pelvis. Is there tightness anywhere? Is there pain, distress? Spirit, help me to hear the truth my body is telling me. For those of us who don't speak often about our sexuality, acknowledging it in the presence of God can feel strange or awkward. Let yourself do that. Move your attention to the sexual center of your body. Acknowledge your need, your longing, your joy. Allow yourself to offer that truth to your creator who made you beautifully and wonderfully you. Spirit, help me to hear the truth my body is telling me. Let your attention move down your legs, your thighs, your knees, your calves, your feet. Thank God for the muscles that hold you up, the feet that allow you to feel the earth and the water. Spirit, help me to hear the truth my body is telling me. You are your body. Take some time to reflect on what this time of prayer revealed to you about the stress, anxiety, joy, lightness, grief, 
or even trauma you may be carrying with you. Commit to coming back to this practice and asking the Spirit of God to help you process what it means to listen and learn from your body, which is to say, you. Thanks for listening to The Slow Way. Choosing a moment of quiet and allowing yourself to be slow here with me is no small thing. When we move even for a few minutes at a pace that refuses to conform with the culture around us, we make space for God, for wisdom, for a vision of ourselves and others that can only be seen when we take the time to pay attention. What I'm trying to say is we make space for love. So well done, us. I'm proud. I want to thank Falschleder for managing my social media. Also, Jason Boyette for designing our slowway graphic. And thank you to the wonderful Angelina Marie for editing. If you're interested in more words on the slowway, you can sign up for my newsletter at micaboyette.com. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at micaboyette and find my book found wherever books are sold. I would so appreciate it if you have time to review The Slow Way on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It helps people find us. But you know, you could also stick your feet in a lake and see if the fish eat them. Or do both. The podcast took a six-week break over the summer, and we are back. We'll be in your feed every Tuesday morning as we continue on and I'll look forward to meeting you here each week. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time on The Slow Way.